Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Luke 10. I'll begin with a story. I'll usually start with an opening thought. The beginning of this week, I had a really good 24-hour of 24 hours of happiness streak. Have you ever had a good streak of joy, let's say? Let me tell you just a couple things that happened during that time. I decided to do my Sabbath on Monday. I'm not great at Sabbath thing, but I took the day off. I wanted to do it not just as a day off, but also do some things that helped me connect with God. So I took uh, a kayak to a local lake, and I thought, I'll paddle around this lake. And so this is a, here's a picture of, I didn't take this on Monday, but this is not atypical of me kayaking. Uh, I typically, I like, there's my ugly feet sticking out there. And I almost always take coffee with me, if I'm, especially if I'm going out in the morning. I've got a thermos thing. And so I was doing that around the lake. I took my fishing pole so that I could try to catch some fish. That's a little awkward in a kayak, but it's possible. I caught a few fish. Another one of the highlights of the day was at this lake, there is a bald eagle's nest there, and uh, an eagle family, and they were out. And so here's a picture that I took of a bald eagle. Those of you who are curious, nah, bald eagle in Indiana, yeah, down at Dewart Lake on the south end of the lake. If you go there, and uh, you can see this big giant nest. Anyway, all these things were bringing joy to me. Can I give you a special little side note. One of the fish that I caught, I killed because I couldn't get the hook out right. And so long story short, I had this fish and, you know, so I was going to do a fish funeral, right? Anyway, I threw the fish out and then I thought, oh wait, I could take that fish and paddle down close to where the eagles would regularly perch and I could leave it out in the water and you'll never guess what happened. I let it out and I'm floating away and my, my little, the little fish is laying there on the top and eagle, the eagle looked down and did its like eagle. You know, that's my impression of an eagle looking down at a fish. And I wasn't 25 feet away and the eagle came out of the tree with his talons, picked up the fish, flew back up into his little nest area. I just spent the day feeding the eagles. It was pretty fun. Okay, it was a great day. Went home, had some family time. Fast forward Tuesday morning. I had a great night's sleep. Tuesday morning woke up and for, and uh, what I'm getting to is I lost my happy place. And you know what happened? I woke up and I looked on my dresser uh, for my wallet. Have you ever had a moment where you, you thought you knew where your wallet was? Or maybe it's your phone or your keys. And instead of being in a place of peace, all of a sudden worry significantly creeps in. Can you feel it now? Some of you right now are like, oh yeah, where are my keys? What about this? Some of you have kids, right? Have you ever, had the, have you ever all of a sudden thought, wait, don't we, have, don't we have three kids, but there's only two around? Don't we have a toddler somewhere? And then this anxiety moves up, and here's the point, joy goes away. I am 
fairly con- convinced, convinced, convinced that joy and worry cannot coexist. I don't think it can. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Jesus consistently taught us not to worry. In Matthew chapter 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Goes on to say, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? He finishes the thought with, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. In Philippians chapter 4, it says, the, the Bible commands us, challenges us. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Wouldn't that be great so hold those thoughts we're in the second week of week of our series called discovering joy and today we're going to go to work on anxiety and worry we're going to learn from a text where there's a woman named martha who's actually if you've been in the church for long or uh know much about the bible you may have heard because she's she kind of gets labeled the, a worrier. And uh, let me tell you the context. Jesus has been doing ministry. He's become famous. He's done so many amazing things, miraculous things. And then on this day, Martha, the main character in our talk today, she gets the opportunity to have Jesus to her house for dinner. All right? By the way, that should be an amazing, happy moment. Like the Lord of the universe, the Savior of the world, is going to be at your house. Yay! But what happens is worry ends up stealing the moment. So we'll pick it up in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, that's Jesus, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sorry, I made that sound kind of whiny, didn't I? Tell her to to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. There it is. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary, who's sitting at the Lord's feet, has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The title of the talk this weekend is Eliminating Worry, Uh, Cranky Martha's Mistakes. And as I've looked at this text, there are two things I think that would have helped Martha 
and we have opportunity to do to try to reduce worry in our life. And so with that, uh, I'm going to give you these ideas, but first let's pray. Father, I pray for uh, everybody that's listening, uh, and I pray for, I guess, different groups. One group, we're doing good. Maybe some of us are blessed, and we just don't struggle with worry at all. Likely, there's a big group of us that, that wrestle with it and can use a lot of help. And there's also a group that their life right now have, may have almost no joy because worry is a stronghold in their life. It's a place that, that we live too much. I pray especially for those people. God, would this be a day that you bring change? And I think I'll add one more. God, will you also, because a lot of us listening, a bunch of us are Christians trying to make a difference in the world. Will you help us be less worrisome and so that we can offer our world more hope? That'd be good. In Jesus' name, amen. Two ways Martha would have worried less. The first one is this. She would have worried less by believing God cares. Believe, you want to write down, believing God cares, or something about God cares. He really does care. But Martha says in verse 40 that she came to him, that's Jesus, and asked. She questions, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Don't you care? Again, I'm whining. By the way, I picture this may have been with some energy. Lord, don't you care? You know, here's a little side thought. When we get to the point where we're questioning someone's care, how many of you know we've already lost a little bit of, of, emotion, of emotional joy there? Most of the time when we say, don't you care, it's not out of a place of peace inside. It's because we're getting a little irritated inside. Does that make sense? But in this case of Martha, I'm going to try to build a case for us. You know what, everybody? We really shouldn't spend a lot of time questioning whether God cares. Now, I get it. I get it, and I've been there, and there are times where I think, well, if this is happening and this is happening, God must not care. But I would argue today that as we grow in our understanding of God and, and our recollection, our ability to see what he's doing, we should probably like almost never come to Jesus and say, don't you care? Let me walk through a few things. If you go back to the beginning of your Bible, there's the creation story. And all indications of creation is God did it in a careful way. After every day of creation, it was good. He didn't just slap it all together and go, ah, it's good enough. He cared. After creation, when he realizes that Adam would have been better with a partner, he doesn't just go, whoops, I guess I met. He, he then provides Eve for him, companionship. Why? Because he cares. Even after, these are all... These first references are all toward the beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, probably. Um, even after humanity sins, he doesn't just stop it all. 
Yes, there are consequences, but he continues in relationship with Adam and Eve. Because why? Because he cares. So much of this book, so much, not all of it, so much of this book is a story of people resisting God, sometimes doing well and pursuing God, but a lot of times not. And it's a story of God pursuing a people because he cares. There's one image given us in Isaiah chapter 65 that I think helps us see the, the posture of the Father. It says, to a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here am I, here am I. All day long, I have held out my hands. It's like, hey, come here, I care, come here. To an obstinate people. Of course, the epitome of this God's expression of his care is the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ, who Jesus came and he had compassion on people and he did miracles for people. He got to the end of his life and he died to pay the price for our sinful rebellion against God. Here's a picture of uh, one uh, possible image of Jesus on the cross. Can we just pause for a moment? How wrong are we to ever, ever look at Jesus and accuse him of not caring? You know, a place that you could go, that we could go as we grow up spiritually. Um, I don't know when I first decided this, but I would do well in the rest of my life to never question whether God cares because he has already firmly established through the cross, folks, that he cares. So why do we end up questioning sometimes? And I get it, the temptation. Well, I don't know if God really cares. Why do we hear about people asking that question a lot? By the way, I understand, I, I relate to the questioning, but why do we go there when we really shouldn't? Because of God's provision and God's care, his concern for us, and Jesus Christ on the cross. Here's a theory. Hang in there. I got a theory. Here is a theory on why we end up thinking God doesn't care. And it's because we get really distracted by smaller, momentary, more insignificant things, wants and wishes that we have and we think God should have taken care of those details of our life. If we go to the story of Martha, I think in the midst of her making dinner, now this is me, because of the worrying about the pie or the bread, or how the place settings are going to be on the table if there was, does that make sense? I, what I picture is Martha in the midst of the distractions and trying to get everything ready. I picture something went wrong. Like, I can't find the forks. I'm making this up, you guys. I can't find the forks. Does anybody know where the forks are at? Or maybe, I don't know if I've ever baked a pie, but I've been in a house where the pie was baking and the pie juice, which is called filling, is not called pie juice. The juice, the pie, why did I call it juice? It's the pie juice. It's the thick pie juice. 
right, seeps out of the top of the pie, and then it's burning like on the bottom of the stove. And then the right, the anxiety goes up. Ah! And I think something like that's going wrong. And that's when Martha is like, you've got to be kidding. Jesus, if you'd really cared, you'd be taking care of the pie. Or you'd be making my sister help me find a fork. Are you, you with me? We get caught up in those little details and we begin to question whether God cares. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your, will you say it with me? Right there on your couch. Needs. Can I just tell you, God does not promise to take care of the non-necessity details. Oh gosh, I feel like a tangent. Why not? Folks, there are going to be things in our life that don't go right. Things that are, are going to be challenges. The pie juice is not going to, it's going to come out onto the, the oven. The word here, the promise. And by the way, this scripture gets misinterpreted. My God will meet all your needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This word for needs, it means needs, necessity, suited for existence. It is not a word that describes all these little tiny things that we can become irritated about. We shouldn't question God, God's care and God's love because one little thing doesn't go well. Uh, one time this week, uh, I got into bed with my wife and I had, a scratch, had an itch on my back. And I don't do this very often, but I said, I said, honey, which is what I call my wife, honey or Denise. And I said, oh, my back's scratched. So I, I did the whole, honey, hey, are you awake? And I scratched my back. And I'm just going just gonna to say it. My wife, really, her back scratch was really average. It was really average. And I remember going, come on, don't you care? Can I tell you, I should never question whether my wife cares. She stayed with me for 30 years through ups and downs and all that. I should never, I shouldn't get all bent out of shape because of one moment where, come on, it's right there in this, it's right here. Don't you pay attention? I'll give you one more image that came to my mind when I was thinking how we get messed up. And we don't have a mature view of God's provision in our life. And instead we, get, instead we get cranky because of some smaller thing. I pictured a parent walking through a grocery store with a toddler in the little toddler seat there. And they're filling the cart filled full with necessities and foods for the week. And what does a toddler sometimes do? At the end, right? There's a whole cart full of groceries behind that toddler. And the toddler gets bent out of shape because it wants Skittles. And it'll throw a fit. Don't you care, Mom? If you care, if you love me, Mom, you'll buy me Skittles or something like that. Some of you, that illustration is all too real, isn't it? Can I? This is a challenge from this point. Could we grow up, Christians, you follower of Jesus? Could we grow up a little bit and, no, why do I say a little bit? How about this? We grow up a ton. And we decide to see the phenomenal 
provision of God, the fact that he owes us. Oh, here's here's an edge. He owes me nothing. And yet he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He owes me nothing. And yet he offers the Holy Spirit to guide me, to comfort me, to bring me peace. If you've never gotten to the place where you realize because of your sin, my sin, you know that God owes us nothing. And yet, in his goodness, he has provided so much. We ought never, we ought to never say, God, why don't you care? So the first point was Martha would have worried less by believing God cares. The second thing is she would have worried less by prioritizing the most important. And in verse 41, it to me seems like Jesus helps, serves Martha, because she's getting distracted by all these different things, to narrow her her focus on the more important things. He says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about, if you're writing in your Bible, circle many things. Martha, Martha, you're looking at so much stuff. But few things are needed. And then I love this, or indeed only one. Now, I, this is actually the, my favorite part of my exploration of this text. It's how Jesus masterfully takes Martha from a meltdown to a better place by helping her see what really, really matters. Okay? Now, what I want to do now, and if we're going to finish our time, I'm going to give you four things. These are, okay, these are secret techniques given to us by God on how we can help people go from meltdown to a place of less anxiety. And there's two reasons I want to do this. One is so that we can help other people. We might represent God. The second reason I want to do this is because it might increase our ability to hear the voice of God when we start to get anxious. I am convinced these four things, this is the kind of thing that Jesus has done with me hundreds of times in my walk with him when I began to worry. Hundreds of times he has taken me from messed up to less worry, or even joy. Four things. If you haven't written anything down, you might want to write these down and memorize them because they'll be helpful to your life and maybe someone else's. First one, Jesus calls her by name. Calls Martha by name. It was in verse 41. You can look at it in your Bible. Martha, I wonder wonder what it sounded like when he said, Martha, 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 I just love that he called her by name. Didn't you say, hey, hey, he said, Martha, you know, John 15, 5, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I think if you had a servant, you might just say, hey, you. Instead, Jesus said, I've called you friends. My experience with God is there are times he will say, Mark, you know what? And if we can hear his voice, just sometimes, just when he says that's all he has to say. Hey, Phil, Sylvia.
calls us by name. Listen for his voice and be willing to call other people by name. You're going to help them. Second idea, he acknowledges her pain. He says to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset. Now I'm going to paraphrase for a little while. You're worried, you're worried and upset, aren't you? You worried? Yes, she is. Worried and upset about many things. You scared? You afraid I won't, you, you, you afraid I won't like you if the pie doesn't turn out right? Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset, aren't you? By the way, this is, Jesus has a track record. Even if he was going to heal somebody, he would pause and listen to their it was a lot of times part of the healing process was Jesus acknowledging someone's pain or difficult situation. Guys, she's compassionate. He doesn't just blow by it. He says, you're worried and upset. That's a powerful thought. Number three, he redirects her attention. He redirects her attention. This is my favorite. Because she's worried and upset, worried and upset about many things. But only, it's like he brings her into focus. But really, Martha, only a few things are needed. And this is the most important. He's helping her with her perspective. If you want to think through this, one of the great things that we can do to help others when they're worried and upset about many things is just to ask the question, does that, does that matter? In a loving and caring way. So does the pie really matter? We can't find the fork. Okay, how important is the fork? Most people, most of us will acknowledge if someone will just help us, oh wait, I'm upset about some things that really are not that important. So Jesus goes from here to here to finally, he just narrows her down to the most important thing that's right in front of her. And the last thing he does is he invites her to sit down with him. He invites her to sit down with him. Now, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's much of a stretch when Jesus in verse 42 says, few things are needed or indeed only one. And when he says, Mary has chosen what is better, Mary has been sitting at the Lord's feet, not anxious. Mary has chosen what is better. This is my, my thing. I don't think it's a stretch. I think Jesus is walking through this process in hopes that Martha will see the opportunity and will actually join Mary in the best thing. Get, side note, for new thought for me. You know what? If Jesus needs a meal, he, he, can, he can create a, a massive feast out of five, five loaves and two fish. There are sometimes, folks, we get so caught up in stuff, and God would say, is that really the most important? How about you trust me a little more and you connect with me, sit at my feet, uh, I'm going to uh, do two things to finish. One, with those four things, will you please consider those four things, putting those in your spiritual tool, tool belt? Can we, did we put those on the screen? Can we put them back up? Calls her by name, acknowledges her pain. Vineyard family, our ministry will increase in effectiveness if we do those kinds of things. Call people by name. Oh, gosh, that's some pretty good stuff. 
Look at me, I'm all proud of myself. Like, that's not too bad. That's really pretty good stuff. Invite people to sit down with God and invite people to sit with you. There's power in us. There's a person who's going through this or that. Call them by name, invite them, say, sit down. What's going on? So just to recap, Mary would have worried less by believing God cares and prioritizing the most important. Let's pray. Father, I pray that these biblical ideas, these things that you've captured for us through the scriptures would take root in every heart that is listening right now. Every heart that's listening right now. That we would be different. We just have this picture of boarding up a house, like closing the windows and locking the doors kind of a thing. That, that, and, and I think the idea is creating resistance. When worry and anxiety comes knocking, Father, will you help us and empower us to keep it at a distance because we know you care. And because you'll help us prioritize the most important things. Hope today and tomorrow will be different, Father, because of our study today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.